Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here with our new guest host, Divek. How are you doing today? Good. How are you, Luki? I'm doing phenomenal as always. So, so Diva comes to us from a background in CS, startups, podcasting, a bunch of other things. So what are you up to these days, Diva? Yeah, right now, I just recently, uh, you know, left my job a couple months ago. I want to always do my own startup and, you know, we can get into that. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm in between startup ideas right now. I'm playing around with different problem spaces and, uh, yeah, exploring different ideas to, to build them. Sounds good. So a work in progress and probably a follow-up episode to catch up on uh, what you have built things uh, into. Uh, but I'd love if we rewinded and talk a little bit about yourself as, as a kid. So what were you like growing up? What are some early fond childhood memories? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I grew up in Calgary, uh, for those of you who don't know it's uh you know west side of uh west side of canada and you know it's, it's a very much of an oil and gas um city so right uh i was like that one i i guess one unicorn i guess in the bunch of uh, <laughs> uh you know a bunch of horses i guess because everybody wanted to go work in oil and gas right everybody's okay. making great money in it it's it's a well, even now it's a pretty good industry to get into but especially back then um and i was that one kid like no i want to go work in tech and mm-hmm. I used to look at me like, what, wh- why? Like, why, yeah. <laughs> why wouldn't you just go work in oil and gas? And so, you know, I, I knew that from a very early age. I, um, you know, growing up, I was playing like Space Invaders on my, on like, you know, Windows 2000 <laughs> or XP uh, back in the day. So like, I've always had this affinity with computers and technology. But as I grew up, I realized that, no, I think this is what I want to do in my life. Uh, and, and, you know, like I said, I was, I was one of the only people like that growing up. Um, and so, yeah, well, you know, eventually when I got through, you know, middle school, high school, you know, obviously had a great time with technology was even more profound, like more set on doing that. And then I went to the Waterloo for, for computer engineering and, um, yeah, very, very quickly I realized that, you know, even though I had an affinity towards technology growing up, um, I didn't actually know anything about building it. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, especially nowadays, every, you know, everybody's programming from a young age, I feel like anywhere, you know, whether it's Calgary or wherever, just because it's sure. gotten so much traction. Uh, but back in back, you know, not that long ago, but even in 2016, when I when I first joined Waterloo, you know, I had no programming experience. And and, mm-hmm. and the reason was, is that places like Calgary, for example, didn't have, like you know, people just didn't know about it. Okay. Um, and so that was uh, you know, a big uh big change for me having to learn actually how to build technology not only how it works or uh you know from a from a feature level or 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 what is the cool stuff coming out so yeah it was definitely an interesting journey uh you know growing up there but um yeah that, that that's sort of where it got started and uh you know and eventually where it led to sounds good and i love if we unpack that a little bit because we kind of glossed over a whole bunch of things so i'd love if you take us back and uh, talk a little bit about kind of going against the grain right so mm-hmm. everybody is going into oil and gas and you're kind of the as you said the, the unicorn amongst horses and you want to get into tech so so what was that process like in where you're parents influencing you to go to uh, oil and gas or they were very supportive to get into tech or what what was that uh, experience like yeah i think um yeah i mean my so my dad's an oil and gas engineer and so of course you know he oil and gas <laughs> paid the bills for a very long time yeah. uh but at the same time you know i think um 
my, my parents have been pretty supportive in what I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, it, it'd be very different, you know, if I wanted to make a career singing or something like that, I'm right. sure we would have an interesting conversation growing up, but, you know, doing, doing, uh, stuff in computers still, you know, it's still, people still knew, okay, it's somewhat lucrative, right? Uh, yeah. they might just not have the full scope like they do now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely going against the grain was, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say that, oh, wow. Like, you know, I was ostracized or something. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> like, it was just like, you know, it's people, people were confused about, but it did mean that I had to have a lot of self-conviction because mm. when the people around you are like, okay, you know, this is a great you know path to take. It's very easy to also go along with them. Right. Uh, but when they don't have any context in terms of what you want to do or, um, or, or that path that you want to take. You have to have a lot more self-conviction or find sources outside of your local community, which, you know, nowadays is not as hard, but especially back in the day, you know, was uh, to do that. And I think, you know, the the rise of YouTube and, and just the Internet in general, um, you know, definitely helped me with that uh, right. because able to get exposed to ideas and, and you know, and, and just events and stuff and, and, and people that I wouldn't have been able to get exposed to earlier on um but yeah definitely like i think that's 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 a huge part of it yeah and i'd love if you share a little bit more about how you were able to demonstrate your conviction so surrounding yourself with like youtube influencers that are kind of hyping up tech and all that stuff can only go so far yeah uh, it, or was it just that like saying hey look mom and dad or look all my friends like tech is a big thing like that that's what all these uh, youtubers are saying like how did you demonstrate or or even get that self-conviction well, first it, off, you know, shout out MKBHD because, uh, <laughs> you know, he's, uh, you know, I've, I've been following for a very long time. So definitely having his videos there was, was very cool. And I think, um, you know, it, it was small things, right? Like we went to, if you go to the mall, right? And, mm -hmm. and there's like a store, you know, a tech store. Going in and actually like seeing the tech in person and like playing around with the features. Even now, whenever I do that, my friends are like, dude, why are you, why are you wasting our time? Like, why are you going <laughs> in and checking this out? And I get excited about the little features, right? Um, and, and so like, you know, that conviction, even when I was a kid was, was a big deal because I mm -hmm. think that's a constant reminder of why you want to get into something. Uh, and those experiences that I got to experience as a kid, or even now when I, when I pick up a piece of tech, uh, you know, that, that helped reinforce that. So, um, yeah, totally. Like, uh, you know, obviously YouTubers and stuff was a, was a big part there, but, uh, small things like that, I think kept me, you know, kept me in that, uh, in that loop as well. Sounds good. And and you mentioned that uh, you, you ended up at, at Waterloo, which is uh, probably one of the highest rated uh, computer programs in, in Canada. And what was the transition like from Calgary uh, into Waterloo? Because I don't know, is it a normal path? Uh, obviously, folks are trying to get to oil and gas, right? So yeah. that's a little bit different. But were you pretty uh, academic at school? You had good grades? It was easy to get in? Or what was that process like to uh, get into the uh, Waterloo Compensation program? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, it's definitely a lot more competitive now. It, it was pretty competitive back then, too. And I, yeah, I had good grades, you know, I was always known as such smart kid in class. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, a lot of Waterloo people probably share that just because of how competitive everything is. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think, uh, you know, what's interesting to me is that for a lot of people, they don't know what they want to do growing up. And, and like mm -hmm. I mentioned, I was very clear about it, that I wanted to do computer engineering from a very young age. Um, in fact, a good story around that was that in, in grade nine, you know, my dad just casually asked, you know, what do you want to do? Like, are you thinking about things? And then he mentioned that, okay, you know, why don't you make a list of like, you know, universities, okay. because you know, you want to do computer engineering, like what universities you want to go to. And I think my list went something along the lines of like, okay, I want to go to like Stanford, MIT, 
like Berkeley, <laughs> and then like the one Canadian university there was Waterloo. So, okay. uh, you know, like I, I was very set on that to begin with, and and the whole point of doing that was just to get me to those companies or to get me to that area, like the Bay Area, right. uh, where I could really start working on the on on the tech I you know I grew up with, um, and so yeah, when I, when I got into Waterloo, it was like more of a Rather than more of a surprise, I guess it was more of like, okay, this is, uh, you know, this is part of the plan. Uh, so it was really, you know, <laughs> right. it was obviously great to, to to have that. But you know, I always had that expectation growing up for myself. Uh, but I think, you know, it's it's interesting, and and we can dive into this. But when I first got into Waterloo, it was it was definitely a you know big change for me. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, for both from like a personality point of view for me, and 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 just my life in general. So. You know, I'm happy. I'm happy to dive into that a little bit, but that that was sort of the process getting to Waterloo. Uh, it was very much part of the plan for me growing up. Yeah, so so let's dive in a little bit. So you mentioned before that you're in Waterloo, uh, and I mean, there's an expectation that you know how to code, uh, but you mentioned <laughs> that the, your previous schooling didn't really emphasize that because yeah. it was probably more oil and gas that sort of thing. So what was the uh, going on in your head where you're in the school where everybody knows how to code? They're all building these amazing things and uh, you haven't yet <laughs> got, in, got into the mix of things. So what was that kind of first uh, couple of months like in, in starting Waterloo? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, yeah, like you mentioned, I didn't know how to code. And, um, you know, I, I think so back then they actually still had two programs. They had like okay. within within first year, they still had like one set, which is just people who know how to program. So it was a little bit more tougher material for them. And okay. then people who don't know how to program. So the course is a little bit easier. I don't even know if they have that anymore because mm. I think it's like almost an expectation at this point that you know how to code coming into Waterloo. Um, but even then, right, like you're surrounded by people who, who had the same thinking, but they definitely, you know, I had more of a theoretical, like, and not even theoretical in terms of building, but just like in terms of features I'd like to see or just tech in general, uh, right. they had more of an application there. Uh, so there was definitely a little bit of an imposter syndrome because, you mm. know, the passion was there, but the, but the, um, the ability wasn't at the time. Uh, so trying to build that up was a huge thing, but you know, I, I think in general, one thing I, you know, one thing that sort of shattered me at the time, to be honest, right. And I had to rebuild myself is like i said i always had this identity of being the smart kid in class right and, and mm -hmm. doing all of this and the moment i came to waterloo I, I remember coming in and i was like oh like i'll easily get you know like 80s 90s and uh and, and you know like have a good time because everybody used to tell me that hey it's, it's really tough you know yeah. you're probably gonna get 60s you might fail like you know all this might happen but in my head i'm you know and, and this is what happens right when you grow up around an environment where everybody's like oh this is sick you know you're, you're doing well uh you know in my head i was like I, they don't really know what they're talking about, right? Like they don't know me or whatever, right? <laughs> right. So I came in to first semester and what I quickly realized that, oh no, they they were right. And like I got my first <laughs> midterm back and it sort of crushed me a little bit because not only, of course, because of the you know, threat of failing looming on because of all those midterm marks, right. uh, but second, just because my identity was so wrapped around that, that it was sort of a big pivot pivot moment for me. Um, and so, yeah, I think Waterloo first semester was definitely an interesting time, both from the perspective of, you know, being surrounded by talent and that being inspiring, but at the same time, really nerve wracking. But second, in terms of me actually like sitting down and figuring out, okay, you know, I can't just be defined by being the smart kid in class or by, by marks. Right. What am I actually like, what do I care about? Um, and, you know, I, I think that's paid a lot of dividends in the, in, 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 you know, in the years and even now. 
That's awesome. And I, I mean, for those that know my story, I have a similar one. First year, I almost failed out of my my first year. Um, and yeah, those those marks were, were not nice <laughs> to, to, to get through. Um, and having been, uh, as you said, crushed or, or like punched in the face a few times, uh, what was the process to rebuild yourself? So you talked about like taking the time to find out what you actually cared about. Was that like a conscious effort like you took the afternoon the weekend uh went <laughs> off to the woods and did that or was that like over time what, what was that process like for you no it was definitely an overtime uh, process so to give you a little context i guess the first semester you know the marks thing happened i, I barely passed by the way at the end um but you know i i didn't make it by the skin of my teeth uh but that happened and um and in general, like it was just wasn't a good time because, you know, moved away from home. Sure. Uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, they, they're going through a lot of stuff and sometimes that comes on you. Right. So it was just an interesting time in general for a lot of different people, especially in my circle. Uh, and so, you know, like there's a lot of different areas there, you know, obviously stress, you know, a lot of, you know, you know, the phenomenon of freshman 15, all of that type of stuff. Right. <laughs> Uh, so a lot of different things were going on. And, and, and at the same time, actually, at Waterloo, you know, we come in and we try finding our first co-op uh, from the get-go, if you're in forestry right. and in engineering, it's, and, and co-op's mandatory. So I went from never having a job to having to find one two weeks into university, right? right? And so I eventually found one, which is great. And, and I really, you know, I, I still can't believe I got it. But, uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was definitely a very stressful time. So you know, when I, what basically what happened is, you know, I barely passed by the skin of my teeth. And, and the good thing was, and this definitely, you know, definitely helped a lot during my whole Waterloo experience that I still made great friends uh, in, mm -hmm. in my first semester. In fact, friends that I still talk with today and like I'm very close with, right? So they were, they were essential getting me through that semester and, uh, and even to the end. Um, but yeah, basically, like I came back, uh, it was my first co-op, barely made a skin of teeth. I was in Toronto at the time uh, for my first co-op. And there's just different steps that I took there. Uh, so the first one being was, okay, like, you know, I, you know, I put on a bunch of weight for freshman 15, my mind's <laughs> out, of, out of place, like whatever, right? Like I, I made sure to make my health an active uh, mm -hmm. thing that I focused on. And, um, you know, I think that was, that was a big thing at the time. Uh, because I think, you know, when all, when your whole life sort of scattered around, you got to pick and choose one thing and, and, and start, and start building that up rapidly or start building everything up slowly. Right. And so I, I chose that as a big thing at, at the time. And so, you know, I think that helped me clear, clear my mind and like, you know, find a goal to work towards again. Um, and then second, like, I, I, I realized that like, you know, I'm not, like I, I I'm not this you know I'm not the the studious type like I I right. always need to study but I'm not that's not me so I decided to explore more ideas uh, whether it be like just you know general walking around Toronto and just like trying to talk to people or just like uh, or just seeing random stuff because at the time it was my first time in Toronto so it was very cool to do that in the bigger city after living in Calgary right. uh, or or just you know reaching out to people online as well and just like trying to get more insight into the, you know the way they operate they and the way they work. Uh, whether it be in, in, in tech or, or, or different fields. So I think that's sort of the steps I took there. But slowly, you know, I, I rebuilt myself. I was more mentally prepared when I went back for my second <laughs> semester in, in the summer. Um, and, and yeah, like I had the great friends to lean on as well. So that, that's sort of how I uh, got back. Sounds good. So what I took from that is having a lot of great friends, surrounding yourself with great people to help uh, in that rebuild process is helpful. And then taking your, your health uh, as a priority, that can be super helpful as well. Yeah. And uh, obviously pick 
your strengths. So you realize you weren't studious. Let's go explore. Let's go talk to people. That's the, where you kind of learned the most and, and uh, got the most out of it. So that was helpful in rebuilding. <laughs> I'd love if you kind of went back to some of the working side because yep. uh, with folks, with students in general, like the first job is always the hardest, right? Because you have zero experience. You're trying to prove yourself. And you, you said you somehow lucked out to get the job. Yeah. Can you describe a little bit more about that process like could you share some advice to the the, the the young divics out there who are like oh man i'm struggling to land my my first role yep uh talk to us a little bit more about that process and what to do what not to do <laughs> as you uh find that first role yeah i think um you know your first job's really interesting i i think you know you for, like you know you 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 know you look like okay you know, what are the, you know, what are, what are the resume tips I can do? Or like, you know, what are the interview tips I can do? All this type of stuff, which is really important. Don't get me wrong, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Your first job, because you don't have that much experience to begin with, it's really just somebody taking a risk and gamble on you, right? Yeah. And they're like, okay, let me, you know, help this kid out and, and help him get started. Or, you know, honestly, sometimes it's more like, how can I get some free labor <laughs> real quick? But, <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot of free labor out there, right? So they still have to take a chance on you to do that, right? And sure. so... Um, yeah, like I, like I, I think, you know, students sort of kick themselves in the back, especially in the first year, uh, especially at Waterloo, right. Where you have to get something immediately, uh, when it comes to this. And I think the big thing I always tell them is, you know, it's part of the process. It's not easy to get mm -hmm. your first job and it's not easy to get somebody to gamble on you like that. Um, and so when you're coming in, the first thing is get your resume torn apart. Cause usually it's, it's probably gonna be <laughs> terrible. Um, yeah. you know, I, I went to a bunch of review sessions in you know, the first couple of weeks. And I think that helped me a lot. Uh, you will get conflicting information sometimes though. So sometimes you got to just yeah. make sense of it and, and, and try doing things that you think makes sense or you, you, you think aligns to you. Mm -hmm. Um, and then second, yeah, like go, you know, obviously go do the interview workshops and stuff. But after that, like it's, it's, it's really just, uh, process of like sticking with the system and <laughs> and keep trying and trying and trying and, and and seeing what happens uh because yeah like like i mentioned it's not easy so you know it's just going to take some time to to get to that point and and if and if it doesn't happen so be it right like there's a lot of different steps you can take and i'm happy to elaborate on that uh but yeah stick with the system and, and see what happens I, and it's funny because so I, I, the reason i was laughing is because my story about how i got my first job was that I had the system every time I went to these interviews that I just ended up developing where, you know, obviously I used to wear the suit and everything, which I now realize mm -hmm. is maybe not the best thing in tech, but okay, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, you know, it's always best to dress better than your interviewer uh, or, yeah. or, or at least make sure you're equating to them, right? So a suit is sort of the best way of doing that. Not that I'd recommend it anymore. Uh, yeah. But I also had this other thing where I used to bring my resume to every single okay. interview. Uh, like a printed copy of my resume because it was in person at the time and all my friends used to be like why are you doing this right like they'll have your resume printed out they already have it from beforehand waterloo sends it from beforehand so they'll print it out i'm like i don't know like if they need it like i, I should just have it and i did like you know I, I was lucky in first year i got a decent amount of interviews to begin with so i had like five or six at the time so i went to like four or five interviews and um with my resume never needed it it was sort of just more of a precaution but this last interview, the the one I job I actually got when I came in, the first thing they asked is, "Oh, do you have a copy of your resume?" Hmm. Um, and so I gave it to them, and they were like, "Oh, wow! Like you're actually one of the first people, or the only people who actually did that, <laughs> or had a copy of their resume." And I think that solely that basically, and and obviously our conversation went okay as well. 
uh, was the reason they decided to take a chance on me and, uh, yeah. and and give me my first co-op. So sometimes it can be really arbitrary reasons, you know, like I, I, I contribute to the resume workshops, I contribute to the interviews, uh, but so small things sometimes that can make the biggest difference. And uh, it's not something you can necessarily calculate, right? Like, you know, the resume thing worked for me, but it might not necessarily be the differentiating factor for you, right? But it's, uh, it's, it's just about sticking with the, with, the, with the system and the process and trusting into it uh, and, and eventually knowing it'll work out. For sure. Again, a lot to unpack in there. So uh, some of the things were to take advantage of the resources available. So the career center, co-op office, whatever, getting your resume critiqued multiple times, yeah. right? And uh, making sense of that uh, conflicting information. Because as you said, like someone will say two-page resume, someone will say one-page resume, someone will say two-column, one-column, and blah, blah, blah. So you really have to make sense uh, of whatever advice for your particular context. Yeah. And then interview workshops, for, for me, interviewing is all about practice, right? So doing it, doing it again, tell me about yourself. Where do you see yourself in five years? What are your strengths and weaknesses? Make sure you have all of those yeah. really uh, buttoned up. And then you'll be set up for success for those questions. You're like, oh, I don't know about this one. <laughs> you know, let, let me try to figure that one. And sticking with the system, um, I have my own story of that where I was actually on the other side. So for those that know my story, I used to run the undergrad campus recruiting program at Deloitte. And okay. as part of that, we would manage the interviews coming in. Sometimes I would do them. Sometimes I wouldn't. And for whatever reason, one of the interviews was late and uh, there's something with the room booking or whatever. So I was managing the process and they said, OK, they're not here yet. Can you just go into this room and interview? It's like, great. And they forgot to give me the package with the <laughs> resume and stuff. So I'm interviewing someone who I have no idea. I just got told like two minutes before yeah. <laughs> that I was doing it. And would you have a copy of your resume? And he did. Okay. Right? So and, and obviously it turned out into, a, well, not obviously, but it turned out to be a good interview. And I, I believe that we hired them. So oftentimes, yeah, a lot of folks will say it's all done electronically. It's all whatever. But it's that one time <laughs> that you need it, that, that you'll wish that you had it. So, so make sure, even if you waste a few trees, unfortunately, right, if you're in person, mm -hmm. it often does uh, help out. So I'm glad that was uh, something that was successful for, for you. And I'd love if you walk us through a couple of like the meaningful learnings from the various uh, places that you work. So uh, like the DND, Shaw, IBM, Tesla, um, yeah. Cisco, Merakai, and stuff like that, like where... Uh, what are some of the key learnings that you had in, in your co-op terms? Yeah, uh, it's a pretty loaded question because there's a lot, definitely a lot. And um, <laughs> sure. yeah, I, I, I think the big thing is, you know, in general for internships, you'll learn this very quickly. There's two types of internships. Uh, mm. One where you're just strictly basically focusing on learning and building your skill. Of course, you're applying yeah. that as well. Uh, but I think at a certain point, and this probably happened to me around my fourth or fifth internship, um, at a certain point, you reach this threshold where, like, you have built up to almost to the full time level. Uh, so mm. your internships quickly change from from learning to application, and actually, like, mm. using the knowledge you have from your previous internships or the ones you gained during this one, or during the one you're working at, uh, into applying and and actually like doing meaningful work for companies. Right. Um, and so what I'd say is the first, yeah, like like I mentioned, the first three internships are very much on the learning stage. Um, 
where, you know, I'd say like, you know, my first co-op was just me getting into actual how programming works on, a, <laughs> on an application level. Because, you know, I learned C++ for the first time in my first semester, but that semester, I, the, the first co-op term is when I actually learned how to build applications. And then yeah. it's really important because, you know, of course, that builds towards actually, you know, <laughs> actually doing your own thing later or, or where I am today. Uh, second one at the at uh, the D&D at the time, it was uh, it, it was like a, it was an incubator program that they had for for innovation. Okay. So I think that was really cool for me is that co-op term was very much me finding out how startups work, because hmm. even though we were part of the government, we were just a, a, a group of three interns trying to build a project out based on a prompt, pretty much. And cool. they didn't have any technical experience. So uh, that was very cool for me. Uh, and then as the co-ops went along, you know, like I'm not going to regurgitate my resume, but, uh, but, you know, there's, there's definitely different aspects that I learned there and, you know, talking about more of the bigger companies, uh, you know, with IBM and, and, and Tesla and Cisco, I think I learned how, like, I, I, I think these companies have a very special culture and a very special execution uh, okay. that make them successful, um, especially something like Tesla, right? I, I think what Tesla does really well um is that even today even being however big of an organization they are uh you know they they've retained that startup culture where people mm. are trying to push as far as they can get things out the door and 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 um and get into the hands of customers which you know that's that's for the better and for worse you know you can you can be the judge of that i'm not going to go into that but uh you know it's a it's it, it's definitely a very interesting thing to learn during the co-op terms and i think that's that's what's really cool with the co-op term you get to learn all these different ways that you know different companies work and get things done and then you can start thinking about how you want what you know what style works for you and um and how you can apply it later on so I think the big companies are very cool for that, especially for me, because, you know, that was that was a moment where I got to work on tech that I grew up with and uh, and in general, like got to get the insight there. Uh, but that that's what I would say in general. Yeah, what I took from that is, well, for all the students out there, um, learn as much and then take the, the lat latter half to apply. So this is obviously inbuilt to kind of the Waterloo system where you have like five or six co-op terms. Whereas some other programs might only have two or three and, yep. and some might not even have any. So you need to make sure you take advantage of summer internships or any sort of work-related opportunities. But make sure that you spend as much time learning as you can, uh, how, how to be a professional, how to manage your time, how to understand requirements and, and build relationships and things like that. Yep. And then as you get later on, well, start putting into practice and, and adding some uh, helpful features or functions or building interesting things that, that could be uh, helpful to the uh, organization. And, and I think, you know, sort of to add to that as well, I think, mm -hmm. you know, what I, what I recommend students to do, and might be a little bit of a controversial one, depending on who you talk to, but, uh, you know, the first couple of co-ops, I would completely focus on like, okay, what is the experience you can get and how your manager is? Uh, and sure. I know it's really hard to base that off one, interview, one or two interviews, but your manager, especially, you know, to begin with, will be the ones setting you up in situations where you can excel. Um, mm. and so I, I would really, uh, focus on that because if you have a bad manager who doesn't teach you anything, you're not going to learn anything and you're going to go to your second co-op term, sort of having to either do your own projects and on your own learning experience or, right. uh, or, or, you know, like just, just at a disadvantage there. So focus on your manager, focus on the experience you're getting for the first couple co-op terms. And then this is where the controversial part comes up for the second half, <laughs> I would actually focus on getting pretty good names on your resume if you can hmm. uh I, i'd focus on that half because that gives you credibility 
Uh, and, you know, I think, you know, when it, when, you know, you can lean on your experience as, as a way for credibility, but the truth of the matter is when, you know, people look at these big companies at, at a certain light. Uh, so when you have that credibility, it just opens the doors in terms of what you could do in the future. And so the good thing with internships is that it, you know, obviously the curve to get in is a lot lower compared to a full-time job and, and the, sure. um, and the commitment level is also only a four month period. And so, you know, yeah. after four months, you can always go to a different company uh, or try something else. But if you, the moment you have that is just a certain level of credibility that you have established. Um, so that's how I, how I, you know, you know, I, I, uh, do my internships if, if I, or yeah. how I did my internships, I guess. Uh, and, and that's probably what I recommend students to do as well. Yeah. I think for internships, there's a balance between uh, kind of the experience itself and kind of the, the prestige of the brand that's supposedly providing you that experience. And to have at least one kind of big name, whether it's a, a, a big bank, a big tech, a big whatever, can really help unlock your resume, even though if you had whatever, five, six amazing work terms of which nobody knows any of them, <laughs> well, that speaks a little bit differently than at least you have one, like the Teslas, the IBMs, the Microsoft, whatever, the the, the, the fang mango manga whatever <laughs> the, the the new acronyms are one of those yeah. um, obviously for for tech and then for your respective industry having a, a big name uh like like the big four the big five banks mm-hmm. or whatever could could be uh super helpful um so uh, fast forward to today now you're more into uh the startup world and now working on a few projects so we'll kind of park that for a little bit um but i'd love if you chatted a little bit about uh, the podcasting stuff that you've done so you've invo- been involved in a couple of podcasts and we'd love to, mm-hmm. if you shared a little bit of your experience on that side totally yeah so you know i i so I, you know when when we, when we left off on the stories on 2017 i had my first co-op uh you know start exploring more ideas more different things people working on um and I think what ended up happening is basically still took me a couple of semesters to get comfortable with the notion of school. But at a certain point, I was like, okay, I, I think I understand school. I know what to do. So I can take on more things. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've always been, you know, crazy about tech, you know, even growing up, right? I love talking about ideas, different concepts that different companies are using or just different tech coming out. And I realized, honestly, that I was boring my friends by doing that because even, <laughs> even in computer engineering or any of the engineering, you know, like they, uh, you know, a lot of people just, you know, they want to learn the concepts, do their job and, and, and be done. Like they don't, it's not like a huge passion for them, right? You'll learn that very quickly, um, depending on the people you're talking with. And I realized that, okay, there, but there are other people out there who are passionate about the stuff, right? And so that's when I started exploring more uh about you know making my own medium articles and and just talking about mm-hmm. different you know trends in technology and, and just talking with random people online on linkedin or something like that and that's my journey started so uh you know i started doing that for a bit i i made a article my first article was basically the buzzwords in tech because at the time everybody <laughs> was throwing you know like you know ai machine learning or at the time it was actually iot everything was iot mm-hmm. now it's now ai machine learning has sort of come into sub for that uh so anyway, I was just talking about like, you know, how we keep using these buzzwords, but it actually depends what the value is to the customer. And, 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 mm-hmm. and you know, you can't just use the buzzwords to sell stuff. There actually has to be an inherent customer uh, value there. But anyway, uh, you know, that, that's sort of how it started off. And then what basically what happened is, you know, at the same time, I decided to talk about my experiences with the internships and, and job interviews and stuff because of this 
you know, crazy cycle that Waterloo goes through. And I realized that a lot of students were just asking me those same questions, uh, very you know, similar, like, how can I improve my resume? How can I, you know, get into these companies doing, you know, whatever. And I got basically tired of, of just telling, you know, telling the same thing over and over again. And I realized <laughs> in, you know, September 2019, when I started my first podcast that, hey, why don't I just, you know, podcast out here and, uh, and, and tell students about, you know, talk to students about, uh, you know, internships and, uh, and talk with, uh, you know, other students who are doing internships that students want to do, like, you know, your Apples and Googles or whatever. And so that's, that's where my first podcast started. It was called The Almost Dropouts, uh, very reflective of my <laughs> own journey uh, in September 2019. And that was a time before COVID as well, where I think, you know, podcasting was big, but not the student side. I think that really grew during COVID uh, and a lot right. of more podcasts popped up. But at the time, there, is, it was, there wasn't that many out there. And so started with that. Um, and yeah, it is, you know, it just grew from there. So um, eventually it brought me to doing my second podcast eventually, and I can get into why I, I switched. But um, yeah, that, that's where it started. Yeah, so it sounds like uh, finding your your tribe, your group of passionate people that are willing to listen to your so-called boring stories, <laughs> right? Because there are people <laughs> around that uh, will do it for, for the job, for the money, for the whatever. Mm -hmm. But there are tons of passionate people out there. So for if sure. you can find your, your tribe, uh, so to speak, um, then there are more than enough people to, to listen uh, there. Um, and I love as we start to, to, to wrap up the story, you mentioned a little bit about uh, having substance behind kind of the buzzwords. And uh, when we were talking off air, you talked a little bit about your, your last startup, which uh, you had lots of marketing pizzazz, <laughs> but less substance. If you could share a little bit of, about that um, and, and share a little bit of your your most recent startup journey for, for uh, the, the listeners. Yeah, I recently put out a tweet like a couple of weeks ago, whereas I felt I was saying, um, you know, doing a startup feels like I'm back in 1A or back in my first semester of Waterloo. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and it's a good thing, right? Like, you know, I have, I also have a lot of memories and a lot of experience I can dig on behind, but still like, it's like, you know, you know, when I, when I was at Waterloo, there's, you're, I'm at the bottom of the mountain slowly and arduously climb up the mountain, you know, somewhat, uh, you know, you know, I'm able to make the best advantage of it, you know, defeat that mountain per se. And then, you know, you, then you look up and now here's another mountain you have to climb again. Right. <laughs> that's what, that's yeah. what, um, the startup journey felt like, but yeah, I, I think the big thing there and, and, you know, you learn very quickly is, you know, you can market stuff, you can do whatever, but at the end of the day, it's about, are you solving a customer problem and are right. you solving it? really well and i think you know as engineers we always defer to you know creating cool stuff that we really like uh using technologies that we like and and just trying to make it as groundbreaking as possible from an engineering point of view uh but the moment you start actually taking those projects and putting into actual full-fledged startup it's a whole different game and so mm -hmm. you know when my first startup it was basically working with this other guy he had the idea and he was just working on it it was, it was essentially a student freelance marketplace and it was based on a lot of my experiences there, too, where I realized, you know, at that third or fourth internship, students are basically, in my opinion, almost like full-time employees as, or like new grads. Sure. So they have a lot of the sure. skills that they need in order to be freelancers if that's a career path that they want to take. And a lot of them are considering that. But, you know, current platforms like Upwork and Fiverr aren't really able to do that for students uh, because mm -hmm. the way their algorithm ranks different freelancers. So yeah, that, was my, that was my thesis there. And I, I think what was really interesting is first, you know, when, if you're doing a startup, 
a two-sided marketplace is, is a really hard thing to do as your first startup. So mm. I'll give a caution to that if, if you are trying to try plan to do your own. But the second yeah. thing is, you know, when I, when I first joined, I, I, I thought that there was a little bit more validation on the client side of things, just because for me, the student side is very obvious, but the client side was the, was the tough part. And I realized that, no, we had to do a lot more validation there, you know, on, on, on the client side. And as we talked to more clients, there was definitely a big issue in terms of a gap, you know, between students really wanting it, but the clients uh, not necessarily needing it or, you know, working with students right. more on a pro bono basis. So anyway, that was that was that startup. And, you know, after talking to clients, I realized that, okay, you know, there, I, I think we have to heavily pivot out of this idea or, or just or leave the idea. And that's eventually what I did. Um, so anyway, big, big learn, big learnings there is, you know, as an engineer, you can always, we def always default to creating solutions, but really yeah. understand the problem. And I think, uh, I think my approach now is like, look at problem spaces, find smaller problems in the problem space, which, you know, are hair on fire. People are really annoyed with it or like they, they hate it. They want it solved. Uh, but it might not necessarily be the huge uh, you know the multi-billion-dollar company that you're thinking about, but solve those problems first, and 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 you can usually do that with smaller software solutions rather than building a mm -hmm. huge monolith. Um, and then after that, my plan is okay. You know, I've solved the problem. Hopefully, customers are responding well. So there's some type of you know um, uh, recurring revenue uh, from that. Now build onto that, right? And there's different. If the problem space is big enough, there's different sides you can probably bring into it, or take your solution and bring it to a different problem. Uh, but there are a lot of paths you can take, but um, that it's a it's a huge shift there. It's like a really distinct shift because all every engineering job is just about building solutions, but not about necessarily talking to the customer or like or, or going from the ground up from a problem point of view. Uh, so it's a very different mentality that I, I've now adopted after my first startup. For sure, and and that's probably a whole uh, episode on its own, <laughs> uh, going through kind of product market fit. Where, uh, as you said, a lot of uh, engineers, computer folks are looking at the product, looking at the solution. Hey, a lot of people want and buy this. Versus, hey, is there actually a problem? Is is the market willing to to pay to have this problem solved? If you start there, then often uh, the the solution will possibly be different than what you expect it to be uh, but that'll probably be a, a clear path to uh, sustained growth uh, later on so uh, well Davik as we close off this this podcast I'd love if you shared uh, a little bit of your the swipe the stuff I wish I knew earlier I know you already shared a bunch <laughs> of it but if there's any that you wanted to add or uh, any that you wanted to emphasize yep. for those out there who are uh, in tech, um, looking to go against the grain uh, in the startup world, uh, maybe one or two uh, you, of your swipe, the stuff I wish I knew earlier that you'd want to share and emphasize. Yeah, um, like you mentioned, Luke, yeah, I could probably do a whole like couple podcasts about that. <laughs> um, and yeah, you know, I, I shared a lot of that stuff on my on my social media or articles and stuff as well. But yeah, I think mm -hmm. you know, big big level ones. Uh, first one is you know. <sighs> And and I think you get a little bit more perspective of this in Waterloo at the end is, you know, I, I was in this rush when I first came in. I've always wanted to work at the, you know, big companies. But at, the, at a certain point, you, you end up doing stuff because people, everybody else wants to do it. And okay. I think one of the things I now recommend, you know, students is, you know, play the game. Like, you know, go through your internships, you know, get, get past it. It's, you know, like I mentioned, credibility experience is huge there. But at a certain point, you can now decide what you want to do. And really sit down and figure that out. Uh, I think, you know, 
you know, I, I'm I'm 24 right now, but I think this is special time between 18 and, and where I am right now, like 24, but I'm sort of at the closing end of that window <laughs> where you bring this youthful energy and this like, and, and, and this ability to be molded to some degree. So people love working with, with, with people who are younger, right? And, and if you have ideas you want to bring into the world or you want to do things, that's a really special time to do it in or, or to get support in it. And I think as you start getting older and I've started realizing this very quickly, um, a lot of people are talking about what value can you deliver to me today rather than looking at your potential that you, uh, that, you know, that you, that you have when you're, when you're younger. And so take advantage of that. You know, if you're, if you're smart with it, I, I, I think there's a lot of benefits there. And so if there's certain things you want to do, definitely go, go try pursuing it, especially when you're younger. And, and that's re- part of the reason why I decided to leave my, leave my job and, 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 you know, and, and, and do startups because I realized that I'm at the end of that window and, and things just get tougher go- later on. So I should take advantage of that. Uh, I think the second thing I realized is hmm. a lot of stuff, but like, um, <laughs> I, I, I think the stuff, okay. The second thing I realized is that, you know, you can get as much theory as you want. You can listen to as many podcasts, this podcast, my podcast, whatever podcast, right? You can understand how the mm-hmm. system works, how the game works, you know, or, or like, you know, if it's, uh, uh, you know, more of a tech or startup podcast, okay, how do I find startup problems? How do I find product market, whatever, whatever, whatever. But until you actually do things, it is very different. And I think, you know, one of the big issues I've seen or one of the big downfalls I've seen for a lot of people is like, for example, with my podcast, right? I, I had an idea. I, I came up with what I think it looked like, but I actually executed on it and I decided to build it. And I think a lot of people, what they end up doing is they just leave that in the shop where they get stuck mm. on making things so perfect or making it, you know, amazing to begin with that it just never actually comes out and, and, and you know, they never actually make anything. It just stays in the shop and, and it just never amounts to anything. And that's the thing, right? Like you won't figure things out until you start the podcast, start, you know, building whatever solution you have out and, and, and put it out there and get feedback. You won't know what direction it can go in and, and, and just ways you can improve and, and, and where the podcast will go. So I would say if you have anything like that, just get it out there, like think about it and then get it out there as soon as you can, because uh, things evolve very quickly. And if it's just in the shop, it's, it's no use to anybody. <laughs> it's just going to sit there. Right. So. I think that's another big thing uh, that I wish I knew earlier, but you know, I, I think I learned at a, a decent time. So that sounds good. Again, a lot more to unpack in, in that as well. Uh, so what I took from that is uh, take your time. Don't don't be in a rush, but also take advantage of that useful energy, right? So follow your curiosity, interest, excitement, and showcase a little bit about that passion. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to say, you know what, I really love doing this stuff. Can I find that? And uh, if you showcase a lot of that employers often want to hire that versus your your resume and the things that you would have done because they'd rather see that potential and that passion versus the demonstrated boringness <laughs> of some of the other things that, that's there uh, and then the other part is obviously the, the difference between theory and execution right uh, instead of just looking at the books passing the tests and all that go ahead and do right so whether it's on, on the weekend and hack something together if, if, if you're someone in tech um, but don't be that 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 entrepreneur <laughs> where you kind of have this idea that you're perfecting in the uh, in the back and putting it on on the shelf and pulling it off once in a while versus actually getting it out into the wild testing that product market fit getting the uh, 
feedback. Sometimes uh, the the bad feedback is just as important as, as the good one because, oh yeah, maybe it should yep. do this or that or whatever. That can be super helpful in uh, getting things done. So uh, we're very thankful that, that you're able to share some of your Swaika diving. So wondering if you could share with folks what you're going to be up to in, in the future, obviously a little bit uh, in stealth mode right now. Yep. So maybe just in, in at a high level. And then where can folks reach out to you if they want to connect with you? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So like, you know, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I was, I'm in between startup ideas right now, looking at different problem spaces, trying to make smaller solutions. Um, and, um, and yeah, just, uh, looking into that. Uh, but otherwise, you know, I have, I have a podcast as well. It's called the building blocks podcast. Uh, so, you know, actually I never finished the story about my, uh, from my first podcast of this one, but basically I got tired of talking about internships and I want to talk strictly about tech and, and, and product building. Uh, so, you know, if you want to learn about internships that the pod, the old podcast is still up, but this one is strictly about like, you know, product based building philosophies and the way different you know, people in tech go about doing it. So if you want to check that out, that's, uh, you know, it's obviously a good time. Uh, I've also started a newsletter recently uh, just because, you know, it was hard to find. A lot of people are asking me about IRL events um, and uh, especially in the Toronto area. So I've decided to host some of my own and to showcase some of the ones that I think are interesting. So, you know, I, I do that in my newsletter as well, put a small article about whatever I'm working with. Uh, you know, very recently, my, my last new newsletter, I talked about solutions in search of a problem. So, uh, you know, that's definitely something I've been grappling with and uh, sort of, you know, I've alluded to during this podcast. But if you want more of a deep dive in that, you know, you can, you can check it out there. And then otherwise, yeah, like just connect to me on LinkedIn, Twitter, wherever. Uh, I, I, I like to think I, I sometimes I drop uh, some cool nuggets there, you know, you can, we can talk about or <laughs> cool uh, talking points. But um, yeah, if you, you know, if you want to check it out, uh, feel free to do that. And uh, if, if I can help in any way, feel free to reach out to me as well. Sounds good. We're looking forward to the updates and hearing more from you. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back for a future episode. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for having me, Luki. Thanks, Ivy. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.